0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDSE. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Be
1: Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily. It's Monday, but it's not a particularly happy Monday for either the red or the blue half of Manchester after a massive, massive weekend of European action. Manchester City were dumped out of the Champions League at the quarter-final stage again, Manchester United did go one better in the Europa League, but defeats to Sevilla means that their summer holidays have also started a week early. And continuing that European theme, there is a crisis at Barcelona after they were battered 8-2 by Bayern Munich. Lionel Messi could actually leave this time. Gerard Pique could also go. And manager Kike Setien is almost definitely going to go in the next 48 hours so with that in mind it's going to be a bumper show on the football social daily my name's Fergal Brennan and in the red corner today we have our very own Joe McGrath. Joe how Hello. are we? Hello
2: I stuff? am very well I'm very well.
1: Very very chirpy and in the blue corner we have Steve McInerney. Steve how are we?
3: Um, As good as I can be I guess you know really.
1: Okay fair enough and <laughs> uh, <laughs> keeping it nice and neutral and keeping us all honest we have the gaffer
4: Jim Salverson. Jim how are we doing? I'm all right. You're right, though. It's not a happy Monday. It could have been 24-hour party people for Manchester, couldn't it, after two wins in the European Cup but as it mm-hmm. was everyone's feeling a bit bummed so, <laughs> so, so, so. i uh, host the Happy Mondays references for you
1: <laughs> well we're going to throw some U2 references in later with Bono keeping United out so be thinking of your favourite U2 songs for later on right City that's where we're going to get started and unfortunately Stee you're up where do we start i tell you what we'll start with the lineup, shall we I think that was the, the biggest bone of contention ahead of the Lyon game just to wrap up in case you've been living under a rock for the last few days Manchester City lost Two one to Leon, um, Raheem Sterling missed one of the easiest chances he's ever going to get. But uh, sorry, three one, not two one. What am I saying? W- one of the big talking points was the was the lineup picked by Guardiola. Has he overthought it again?
3: Yes. Uh, <laughs> simple as that for me. Um, I, I love Pep um, unequivocally. I think he's, he's great, but um, I think you have to also admit sometimes when someone gets something wrong, uh, I got an awful lot. of t- Lot of chest um, after the game on Twitter about this and a big massive rant. And um, essentially, for me, I mean, he, Pep can play however he wants, he can set up the team in whatever system he wants. And I wouldn't, I, you know, he knows a damn sight more about football than any of us do talking on this podcast, or any of us genuinely do talking about football. Um, but largely, for me, it wasn't about the setup, it was about the timing of the setup, if that makes sense. When you introduce new ideas, only a matter of days before. Uh, the biggest game of the season. The, the, the Essentially, the only thing that matters left in the season. Literally, that was it. Um, you are inviting um, concern, you're inviting apprehension. And to set up uh, in, in a new style for a team with all due respect to Lyon that finished uh, the incredibly high peaks of seventh in the French division, um, just to change the whole system, just to change the way we play and invite all this uncertainty uh, in a game of that magnitude, for me, well, it's a recipe for disaster, basically. Imagine the situation, right? You're a footballer, and um, you're trying to deal with the enormity um, of playing in a Champions League quarterfinal, which is big. There is pressure on your head. You're also playing in a neutral ground in front of no fans. You've got this really weird scenario, and all of a sudden, you're trying to remember all these new instructions as well at the same time. It's just too much to go through your head. And it was no coincidence, in my opinion, that the players were making mistakes, and that were uncharacteristic of certain individuals. That first goal, for example, uh, you you would be hard-pressed to find anyone who would call Kyle Walker or Finlandino lazy, but not a, neither of them tracked the runner behind um, Cunet, who let like, scored the first goal. And that has to be down to... Um, uh, confusion basically and really the way I saw it, I see it as well if fans, if fans can be nervous looking at a team and be apprehensive and if City can set up in a way that respects Leon so much that shows that we fear them then why can't the players then uh, share that same fear or that same apprehension if you invite apprehension and negativity well that's what you're going to get on the pitch Steve,
1: where does it come from? This decision that Pep makes in terms of not just lineup, but also, as you say, the, the changing system, which is something that's brand new. Uh, a couple of days before a huge Champions League match, is it that he looks at Leon and thinks we need to set up to stop them, or does he just kind of think I'm going to try something? I believe so deeply in my methods and that my way is the right way that it doesn't matter what the game, what the opposition, my players, and, and my way of doing things is right.
3: I think it's the um, opposite of what most people think. I don't think it's arrogance or uh, uh, overconfidence. I think it's insecurity. I mean, I can't prove that, of course. and I would never get that. But there's no simple way to explain throwing everything that you've done all season or over the past four years really out the window to play a team in mid-table once again in the French league. I mean, that's has to be insecurity. He's obviously that insecure about our defensive weaknesses or our perceived defensive weaknesses anyway, that he's literally told all these like high quality players um to change everything they do to try and contain Leon. I mean Leon didn't change anything they did. Um some people have suggested that maybe, maybe if anything, it was a, I mean it could be the opposite. It could be a little bit um a little bit of uh, maybe resting on his laurels a little bit in terms of this was a just rehearsal for a potential Bayern semi-final. Um, uh, that could be also be the case. But personally, I do believe that this kind of Champions League... Um, uh a voodoo basically kind of hoodoo sorry <laughs> voodoo if that'd be interesting definitely hoodoo kind of <laughs> hangs over him uh and he does believe that um he's judged more on the champions league and he does kind of treat it a little bit different to other competitions and i do think he, he, he overthinks it I, I do honestly believe that he's a little bit insecure about the, the perception of him being a bit disappointing in the champions league which is i mean it's such a hard competition to win as as even you know united fans would point out and all that kind of stuff um it's But it's silly and we all have our own blind spots and our own weaknesses. And I personally believe it's a little bit of insecurity, um, sadly, that's made him just essentially lose faith in his system, lose faith in his players. And all he's done all week, as a result, is unintentionally focused on the negatives. And how can that ever be a good thing for a team looking to be pumped up?
4: We're in a scenario where Guardiola, I mean, he is a footballing genius. I think anyone from any side of the footballing world would agree with that. And he does, I mean, he only gets tainted with this overthinking thing when it doesn't work. He's either a bull genius or a fraudiola. It's like one or the other. It's it's one side or the other. And if he had gone on, I completely get what you're saying. And I think he got the Leon game wrong. I think he, as you pointed out, he set up to stop Leon rather than to play Manchester City's own football. But at the same time it probably was preparation and it was probably preparation for the Bayern game because he knows that he'd have to be much more defensively solid against a Bayern Munich team than he would against Leon particularly looking at how they took apart Barcelona so in order for the players to be comfortable playing that system versus Bayern Munich they were going to have to have preparation on the pitch so he was this is my view he was setting them up like that versus Leon to get him used to a system in a game that uh, you'd probably view as very winnable, you'd probably look at it as a bit of a cakewalk for Manchester City. It didn't turn out that way. So he was kind of... You can kind of see his thought process. And if it had worked, he would be a genius. But because it didn't, he does get this overthinking It. Well,
3: you, you live and die by the side, really, don't you? You really do. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, um, I once again, it goes back to the point, I have no problem with new ideas, but it's just the timing of the new ideas. And to be honest, if we're being brutally honest, the execution of the ideas, which I never thought I'd say, was genuinely, it was borderline dumb. I'm sorry to say that, but it was genuinely, um, it was just naive because the idea essentially was to uh, set up this way to nullify um, Leon's pace. You know, and Mm. if that's the case, why then played the slowest collection of plays Manchester City possibly have, then bunch them all up together on the on the halfway line? It doesn't make any sense because regardless, you could have eight, you play an eight-one-one one formation, but if you had eight slow defenders all bunched together on the um, halfway line, it wouldn't matter because one ball over the top and the, their striker would still win it. So it's mm. not just about the system as well. But if it was so essential that Manchester City had to play this formation to counter it, why did we feel it like would play as totally and utterly incapable of putting it into effect? And Anyway, you look at the midfield, you had Rodri and Gundogan, who was slow, you know, milk turns quicker than them, unfortunately. Then you've got Garcia, who he, I like the lad, but he's only young and experienced and he can't run fast either. Finandino is an ageing midfielder thrown in at centre-back. And you had Kyle Walker, the one with actual pace, playing right wing-back, which is usually, traditionally, a, a position much more further forward than right-back. So you're thinking, well, why not, if it's all about pace and energy in midfield, why not play, I don't know, uh, a faster... Why not play Kyle Walker at right centre-back where he's played for England and he has the pace at least then to get back? Play someone like Cancelo at, at right wing-back so he offers something to go forward. Put Mendy at left wing-back and all of a sudden that defence is faster. Bernardo in midfield, Foden in midfield, a little bit of energy there. I mean, even then, I think we're just kind of getting into specifics, but you're right about... you kind of. He's a genius if it works... Um, and he's a fraud if it doesn't. But to be honest, the um, obviously, usually it's it's neither of these things. Neither, neither of them are true. Somewhere in the middle, of course. But it, it, this reputation comes from the fact that he only pretty much always does this kind of craziness <laughs> in the Champions League. Go back to Spurs game, go back to the Liverpool mm. game. And each time it's blown up in his face. And he's done it before for Bayern uh, when he played free at the back against Barcelona's uh, Neymar, Messi and Suarez. And that backfired immediately as well. Um so I think his reputation comes from his own failures, unfortunately. It's not like he does this off in the Champions League and it works. Every time he's tried in the Champions League, it's just well, pretty much all the time backfired. I mean, I genuinely am not pep out or anything like that. I think it's fantastic. But I think if players have to have a, uh, you know take a look at themselves in the mirror, so to sometimes the managers. Um, and it's not, un- it's not unreasonable to suggest that um, he's made a mistake, I don't think.
1: And when you look at the, the, the fallout, as it were, from both Guardiola and, and Kevin De Bruyne gave a really interesting interview after the game where he essentially said it wasn't good enough. We know this. This is the same as last season. It's same again, rinse and repeat. And for someone like De Bruyne, who's captain on the night, he's City's most influential player, for him to come out and be quite open and say, we're sick of this pattern repeating itself... I mean, we have to be careful not to read too much into it, Steve, but it's not a good look for him to say, we're well aware of the issues, and it's still happening.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, um, I, I know people actually, personally, who know Kevin De Bruyne as well, he's an incredibly frank, incredibly intelligent, but also a very nice bloke. Um, very, very nice, in fact. Um, he's just got that almost like, I know he's, he's Belgian, but he's got almost that traditionally German approach of just kind of calling it as it is, if that makes sense, and uh, I, I admire that, to be honest, and and it might just be the best thing that's ever happened to Manchester City, um, having someone like Kevin De Bruyne say that publicly. If he said that publicly, can you imagine what he said in the dressing room? There is no way that other players aren't um, feeling frustrated by that. Put it this way, if, if all, these, of all the press and other fans and all the people creating podcasts and people on TV and the radio can think, Guardiola, quality well, overall, overall complicates things and we can, the millions of people can have that perception why can't the players have that perception too why can't mm. they be sat there uh, on Monday as training starter and they're all, they come off to, uh, the Real Madrid game they're on cloud nine then Pep goes I've got this idea we're changing everything we've done all season and And it's different. And why can't those players then go, oh, no, here we go again. This is what happened last season. This is what happened the season before that. Why can't, the back of their mind, they be familiar with that perception too? And I honestly believe they are. And Kevin De Bruyne's quote that that same year, sorry, um, different year, same stuff quote, really hints at that. Thankfully, though, I'm hoping um, that this could be, you know, maybe a little bit of a turning point where the players go look come on Pep this is not working and Pep I do think Pep is uh, humble enough to listen to his players he's indicated as much that before and um, he likes to be challenged who knows whether he'll actually listen this or not but I think largely this could be a little bit moment where the players go, look, you know, we weren't happy about this. And he goes, okay, so why weren't you happy about this? I mean, if you've got Kevin De Bruyne in your squad, you've got to listen to him. Uh, and maybe this could be uh, a chance for Manchester City to really focus um, as a squad and kind of have some frank and honest talks of each other and kind of get it right for next season.
4: Can I ask a question, Steve? Because yeah. I, think, I think you'll agree with me on this, Joe. If I was a Manchester City fan and I was looking back at Pep Guardiola mm-hmm. being appointed Manchester City manager, four, is it four seasons now? Is this the yeah. end of the fourth season? Yes. It's confusing with lockdown and stuff, isn't it? <laughs> completely lost track of it's how been many seasons. Seven
3: years, <laughs> yeah,
4: seven years and four seasons. Yeah, if I was looking back at when Pep came into the club and my expectations at that point, I think as a City fan, I'd look back and I'd be disappointed with what he's achieved. And he has played brilliant football, and he has won trophies, two Premier Leagues, FA Cup, three League Cups, whatever it mm-hmm. is. But I still think I'd expect a little bit more. Uh, what I from in terms? terms you
3: it's easy if you say that when you haven't had the emotional success of winning four I mean one was carib- uh, one was community sure. but when you've had four trophies won in a season and given the, the celebrations I've had with friends and given the random strangers I've hugged and given the football I've witnessed in the stadium and given literally all the trophies that we have won and genuinely we have broken a ridiculous amount of records we've seen points totals that was never possible in the Premier League and when you haven't experienced that emotionally as a Manchester City fan it's probably easy for you to sit there and say well I, it probably looks a bit underwhelming but I tell you what Honestly, the feelings as City fans that we've had... um even though this is very frustrating, it does not wipe any of that away. And I really could never, even when Guardia came in, I would never expect 100 points. I never expected us to, you know, score an insane amount of goals. I never expected us to win um, four domestic trophies in one season. I genuinely didn't. I thought we'd be better and very good, but still we'd done things that I would never expect to see. I didn't even know it was possible to get 100 points in the Premier League. Never mind, you know, 99, then the season after that. Seriously, it's a level like unseen in the Premier League era. So I get your point entirely, but what I will say is like, you're obviously naturally detached because you're not a Manchester City fan. And it's very Mm. easy for us to say that. But as a fan, you go through those emotions and you go through what it feels like to witness two and a half years of glorious football and winning more or less, more or less everything we entered, if we're being honest. Um, And that that does kind of, that still holds an awful lot of weight is what I'm going to say, basically. An awful lot of weight. Yes, the Champions League has been frustrating, but largely that's kind of it. I mean, the, the domestic campaigns... The first season was just a kind of a write-off. I'll accept that because um, we were just we didn't have the players suitable for his system. Then after that, I really just see this year has been a disappointing year that we also won the Carabao Cup, which, you know, is, and we also won the Community Shield. So, you know, it's like, it's this is our bad year and we've won two... Trophies well, that we got to celebrate. One trophy. <laughs> uh, but once don't again, mate. Shot. When's the last time you went to win a community shield for West Ham? and You know what it feels like. It's nice when you're there. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we, like... we <laughs> I'm not having that
2: because if you know, I was celebrating nah, that. Oh, don't forget, Jose Mourinho tried to count three trophies Joe, when he. So you're
3: Joe, if you were there well, celebrating Wembley, well, you would not enjoy it. Of course you do you
2: remember? Do you remember when Jose Mourinho won the Euro- Europa League Joe, with United? He tried to get about... they tried to get the all the players to put three up, and all the players looked at him to say three. Community shield was
3: nothing. What do <laughs> you want to buy? Yeah, fair enough. But you're telling me if you were there, you wouldn't celebrate it?
2: Okay, I don't know. Yeah, we I mean, trying to get exactly. he's trying to, point that, point, that point. That point does make it. Anyway, listen. All I'm talking about is where where's Pep's head going to be at? Because uh, obviously it might come up to ten years since he last won the uh, the Champions League next year if it's not successful. Uh, I I know it takes a lot of things to heart, and uh, but I do not think he'll give up on this City team. I think he's in for the long haul because you know there's a lot of criticism, and a lot of like a lot of media snipe at him for not winning the Champions League. He didn't do successfully in the Champions League. We we're buying. There's that history there, um, and now with City it's just something niggling away at the, the team but I don't think he'll let, uh, let this go I think it's, I honestly think he will be at City until maybe he gets his hands on this trophy they have obviously had incredible uh, domestic success and it's going to be one hell of a season next year you know when you've got the likes of Liverpool City and United all fighting for the uh, the top well, spot of the Premier
3: League also, don't,
2: don't forget United back in the Champions League this year so you could come up against us but no I think there's something about Pep Guardiola's Champions League he He's not going to give up on it and I, th- I. the more frustrating that these nights are i think the more you might see pep sticking around with with city until he gets his hands on it yeah. because you can see he does like to you know he overthinks things now and again but he does have that winning instinct in him and he's gonna want to do it he's gonna want to get his hands on that trophy but you know they have a couple of weeks off now and maybe that's a good thing for him uh and we go again in september
1: Steve, just quickly, I'm not going to give you too much of a hard time about celebrating the, the charity of the community show. I'm, I'm not as I'm not as, I'm not as brutal as Joe. The big the big question I would be asking myself here, if I'm a Man City player or a Manchester City fan, is given the fact that they've been there and done that, and De Bruyne has obviously been clear on they're sick of this sensation. What does Guardiola do next season? Are you confident that in a last sixteen or quarter final or, or even a semi final that that team sheet's going to drop an hour before and you're going to go, oh my God, he's done it again. Do you think this is a turning point for well, his his methods?
3: Well, I mean, it has to be, surely. it Surely it has to be. How can they all not be consciously aware of that perception now? I mean, when it gets to that point next season, I hope it gets to that point, of course. Um, Maybe we should just save the heartbreaking go out in the group stage. But maybe if we get to that point, like, how are the players and how will Guardiola? How is Guardiola and everyone not going to be in the dressing room going? Can we just keep it simple? Can we just play to our strengths? Um, I just can't see how they can't be consciously aware of it. I mean, and surely the players will now be saying, um, "Look, if we're going to change it, can we also have a plan B and C ready?" You know, you're frustrated as well, by the way. City actually played against. Um, uh, Everton and Sheffield United in a very similar setup this season, um, very similar setup this season, and beat them uh, when we played at Sheffield United away. Sheffield United were flying at the time, you know, um, and we played as I said earlier in the pod. In the pod, we played players that had pace in the middle and all that kind of stuff. So we have actually kind of hinted at a system very similar to this before. So we just didn't do it properly. But anyway, go back to it. Maybe the players will turn around and say, "Look, if it gets to this point, can we make sure that any ideas are established and that we know them and they're not just..." throwing everything that we know, you know, uh, out the window. So, yeah, I reckon it'll be there. It has to be there. I mean, it's the elephant in the room at that point. It's too obvious. And um, they've got too many senior members of the squad who'll be around uh, in that kind of leadership team, so to speak. And they they will say it. Um, I mean, uh, Kevin De Bruyne will say it, put it that way. And, um, yeah, it's going to be an issue, but I'll be very, very interested to see where we're at, you know, uh, in several months from now because... um, that first, uh, put it this way, when that first team sheet is about to drop, City fans will be absolutely shitting it, um, more so than any other uh, team lineup announcement. And that kind of says it all, really. Um, and that's going to basically set the tone for the match whenever that happens.
1: Fair enough. Steve, we're going to leave it there for City and we're going to let you get back to uh, deciding what Pep Guardiola is going to do next season. Thanks so much for joining <laughs> us on the show Cheers. today. Cheers, guys. Nice one, Steve. Thanks very much. You can check out Steve's YouTube channel, the brilliantly named Esteemed Company, if you want to see more of what he's up to. Uh, Guys, Jim, Joe, obviously Steve's angry at what has been a golden opportunity passed up. Um, And, you know, the the Carabao Cup is their only piece of silverware. The the question I want to ask you two, Jim, I'll go first. What uh, pointless uh, achievements are you still celebrating? Have you still got some certificates from school, egg and spoon race, champion, anything like that?
4: I still celebrate my fantasy football league win, which popped up in my Facebook memories this weekend, <laughs> actually. The, uh, me and my mates do a, for the last 15 years, we've had a league and there's a trophy and everything. I won it once six years ago, and I still hold that very dear. I've still got the photo framed on my mantelpiece. So, yeah, that would be my pointless achievement that I'm still holding dear.
1: Joe, uh, Joe, what about you? I see you being the kind of guy that, that got a lot of gold stars on his work at school, things pinned on the fridge.
2: No, you know no, no joke. <laughs> I don't think you do, Fergal. Mine was holding my breath. Listen, it, it, when we went to swimming, um, there wasn't a certificate for this because I don't think the teachers thought we should be doing it. So instead of the hundred meters, amongst my mates, I could hold my breath under the water for the longest, uh, and still something I like to say is one of my highest achievements. I've basically got massive lungs, Fergal. Uh, and although I didn't get a badge saying the massive lungs award, uh, I would love one now. If anyone makes a listing, can you make me one?
1: I think that's fair enough. Uh, Manchester City fans over the weekend were probably wishing they could hold their breath and pass out so they wouldn't have to see them bowing out of the Champions League. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, In the second part of the show, we're going to be talking about Manchester United's exit. So hopefully Joe's got his breath back for that. Uh, They are out of the Europa League and we're going to be talking about all of that in just a minute.
0: Football Social Daily with KingCasino.com Check out the link in the podcast description to get your welcome bonus. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty. Here at KingCasino.com Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org
1: Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League podcast. Now, whilst there's no Premier League action at the moment, there's still plenty of football going on. Champions League and Europa League over this weekend. Huge, huge results for Manchester City and Manchester United. Before the break, we chatted about Manchester City. Now we're going to jump over to the red half of Manchester. And Joe is with us. Joe, 2-1 defeat against Sevilla. Now, I'm going to be really honest. I watched this game and I do think United were quite hard done by... I think Mm -hmm. a little bit of lapse in concentration at the back for both of the goals against... Let's be realistic about this. We had Colin Miller on the show previewing it last week. Everybody (laughs) still falls into this trap of Sevilla. Oh, it's only Sevilla. They're the most successful team in the history of the competition. And they showed that again last night. So what I want to ask you is, glass half full, glass half empty on the back of the game. Was it just a a bad day at the office? Or or do you think it's something deeper? Were you worried?
2: I wouldn't say I was necessarily worried. I'd, I'd look at the, what, what happened and what, what was going to happen in this game. Sevilla were always going to be an incredibly tough team because they have got that history. And it's one of those, uh, when it came up either Wolves or Sevilla, like, I, I didn't want either of them. But because we got a Sevilla, we, we needed to change. We needed to look at how well they were going to do. And we needed to understand them as a threat. And I just don't think Ollie did as much as he should have done. Uh, but you can't look at the lineup and say this lineup wasn't United's best lineup he could possibly put out. You've got midfield of Fred and, and Pogba with uh, Fernandes just doing his thing a bit above them. And that's the, that's the best three we've, we've, we've got at United. I'm, I'm a fan of Matic. He could have been uh, there instead of Fred. Maybe something wasn't completely right with Matic because he was nowhere near, uh, he didn't even get on as a substitute. That would be my only change. If Matic was there instead of Fred, I think that would have created a bit more stability. So you look at the lineup and you think thinking, okay, the well, the lineup sounds the best it can be. So so what, what happens then? Well, there was just something about going forward. Fernandes had a good game, I thought. I know we got a penalty and could take the mick out of that and up 22. Uh, um, 22 in a season it's uh, yeah wow but you know pe- how many play- penalties United you know, have had this season 22 penalties this wow season. I wow. I know, but you know at the end of the day there's been VAR being introduced so it's not been just penalties because of uh, you know referees giving it United's way you know that might have been as many as we deserved who knows some of them have been like, quite, quite argumentative about what if it should have been a penalty or not last night's one I thought was a definite penalty uh, and I don't know we score a goal like that and uh, from a set piece police to the penalty and then open play just seems 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 to be quite sort of stale. Uh, We we haven't scored an open play for a while, uh, and we just need to. There was just something with Martial's performance, not really inspiring Rashford or Greenwood, not having that sort of that edge about him in the game. And I just sort of think Seville had our cards and our number. And uh, yeah, I know you mean about him being quite unlucky, but you know, every every everyone as well seems to up the game a bit. If it's the semi final or if you're playing against United, they, they seem to have the best games of their lives and they have done. And, uh, you know, if it's just the you look at Arsenal in the FA Cup, they're not the best team, are they? But there's something about the FA Cup and they get, they went on to win it this year. Look at Seville in the Europa League. Could we have beaten them without a starting 11? We should have beaten them without a starting 11. But there's just that bit of thing in football you just never know. And,. Uh, They went on to sort of show us why they are the most successful team in this competition i'm pretty disappointed i'd be fuming if we hadn't got a champions league spot and we went out in the semi-final but because we do have a champions league spot i'm a bit more optimistic about next season
1: Jim, looking at the post-match comments, Harry Maguire, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer both wheeled out in front of the media to to explain the results. And it was almost a bit of a, a carbon copy of each other. Both of them said, we must do better. Semi-final place isn't enough for a club the size of Manchester United. But ultimately... It's the, it is the responsibility, particularly of those two figures as manager and as captain, to do that. Obviously, the meme that's been floating around overnight of Maguire facing the wrong way for Suso's first goal. And mm-hmm. you could argue that he should have had the defence a bit better organised for the winner from, from Luke de Jong. Where does the responsibility fall for a performance like that? We saw the incident with Victor Lindelof and Bruno Fernandez rowing after that second goal. Is this a bit of a question mark against Solskjaer in... A huge game like this, he needs to be leading the team, organising, stamping out these things. Because in those crucial moments, United did have the better chances and the Sevilla goalkeeper Bono had a stormer. But in those crucial moments where Sevilla had two, three good chances, they stuck them in the back of the net and United didn't. Is that a failing of Solskjaer or is that a failure of the players?
4: I think it's really difficult to point the finger at one individual after a performance, after a game like that, because it wasn't individual errors, it wasn't necessarily a failure of Solskjaer to set the team up properly either, it was just a a combination of things that conspired against Manchester United on this occasion, and they should have got on to win it, it was the perfect setup: the Bruno Fernandes penalty going 1-0 up, and it meant severe. So, yeah, we're going to have to come onto Manchester United. And that's where Manchester United have been good this season, when they are attacked by the opposition and they can counter attack. But it didn't quite work. And I think that's for a number of reasons. I think fullback has been a bit of an issue for Manchester United this season. Wambisaka had not one of his finest games, and he doesn't seem to offer as much going forward as potentially Solskjaer wants in the style of play that he wants to play football. I think going to Solskjaer as a manager he has limited resources at the moment and when you look at his, he spent 200 million quid yes but there was a lot of repair work to do at Manchester United and he's got a brilliant first 11 I think the first 11 at Manchester United is really strong with maybe one or two exceptions at the moment where they need to bring in some strength but beyond that there's very little and we saw with the substitutions he did make they didn't really offer very much when he made those changes when they came onto the pitch so he has got limited options Solskjaer, so it's not particularly fair to judge him at the moment. I think for me, the big question mark for United at the moment is over those front three, which seems harsh because Martial, Greenwood, and Rashford are undoubtedly three of the most talented players at Manchester United right now. But in the Severe game, they had chances which they failed to convert. In the Copenhagen game, they had chances which they failed to convert. And in both those games, the goalkeepers were heralded as the heroes, right? They were kind of like, oh, they've had worldies, almost as like it was some kind of cheating, like you're not allowed to have a great goalkeeper. But you've got a question if they're having those chances and they're not clinically finishing those chances, maybe there are question marks over those front three. And Martial's had the season, the best season he's had in a Manchester United shirt, but he still doesn't feel like that number nine natural goal scorer. I wonder whether Manchester United just need that focal point with the other players around him. And they have got talent. But whether those front three work together, whether they're clinical enough to get Manchester United through these games, I would question potentially. So, yeah, no one individual can have all the blame for this defeat, but there is, there's certain things that need to be looked at at that football club in order to get them to the
1: next level. And that's something, obviously, that Sosha will be looking at this summer in terms of in terms of strengthening his pack and his options for, for next season. The big signers that he brought in last summer were Harry Maguire and, and Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Obviously, Bruno Fernandes has come in midway through the season, Joe. But when you look at United's performance last night, we do focus, as Jim says, on that front three. And Rashford and Martial have had the best goal-scoring seasons uh, in a United shirt. But when it's come to the crunch, they haven't found a goal You're then relying on Mason Greenwood. Yes, he's had a brilliant season, but he is still just, he's a kid in terms of Premier League football. Um, So much of the focus has been on the back, at the back end of the Premier League season, and focuses on Maguire and and him getting caught out of position and various other things. When you're looking ahead to the summer now, and your are Solskjaer, where are you focusing on spending that transfer money?
2: Um, so I'm uh, looking at uh, the we'll go from the back. Obviously, uh, the goalkeeper situation, whatever that might be, if it will be Henderson or De Gea or Romero, you might think Romero might move move away this year. If De Gea and Henderson are both in the in the squad, he, he's a great player, Romero, and I think he could be a, a wonderful asset for another team. Uh, I do want to get another centre back in. I mean, Chris Smalling's all that situation still up in the air, but Lindelof, um, you know, there is lots of question marks around his performances. There's a bit of um, and thrown yesterday with uh, Fernandez. Uh, I do believe Maguire to be a, a player that will be at United for a long time and will become uh, a key to United. I, I get that there's a lot of people giving him a bit of stick yesterday. No luck defending as he as he seemed quite weak at the back, but he is our captain. I liked Maguire, but I do think he needs he needs another person next to him, and he needs to have a big season next season. Otherwise, the the question marks will be just too much, and he, we can't we can't have that. Going into going into what, what should be really definitely top four next season, what even title challenges in a couple of years. Uh, the two wing backs, Brandon Williams and Wamba Saka. I won't be surprised if them two are still United's wing backs in a couple of years' time, in five years' time even. I love Wamba Saka, and I think you speak to a lot of players. It, once he gets his um, attacking mindset sorted and he just stops the tiny mistakes as a young lad that he is he could be key and he could be one of the best uh, best backs uh, wing backs in the, in the world I know I speak to a lot of City fans Liverpool fans maybe not Liverpool fans because they've got a, a pretty decent one themselves but I, when I speak to big teams Wan-Bissaka is often the player that's picked apart from our starting level and going yeah I'd like him the way that he tackles the way that he his pace he just can outrun defenders he's had still in his back pocket a lot this season you know he can he can silence those quick wingers and we're going to go up against a lot of them in the Champions League so Williams has still got a lot to prove but Fred for me I think we can get another centre midfielder in because Fred is okay but he's not great Pogba there's still a lot of question marks about you know what what kind of Pogba you get when he turns up but looking at our front three of Marshall and Rashford and Greenwood I get what you're saying but it's very hard for us to say they've had the best season they've had for United they've scored 20 plus goals each Let's get rid of them. I know what people are getting at, but that is a tricky decision for the fans to take and for for them to take themselves, Marshall and Rashford. I wouldn't mind seeing one more attacking option thrown into the mix if it be... Sancho, or if it be uh, Grealish, and just to keep plays on the toes. Egalo, who came on yesterday, I'm sorry, but he's just he was a short term fix. He's nothing special, is he? I think
4: you have to look at depth, don't you, Joe? Yeah, depth. And there's a lot you can learn from Sevilla when you look at the opposition yesterday because the substitutes made by Sevilla ultimately turned the game Mm -hmm. and changed the outcome. And Sevilla have had massive churn in terms of their playing squad yeah. over the last 12 months I think nine first team players have been changed but they've recruited in a way that fits the club DNA mm-hmm. so they know how they're going to play they know the style of football they know what that football club's about and that's the job Solskjaer now has he's got to add depth to that playing squad yeah. but it's not what Manchester United have done previously and gone and bought a Sanchez or a Pogba yeah, yeah. who's going to sell shirts it's about buying players that fit what he now sees as the club's DNA and fits the way the team want to play. So it's not about buying these superstars and fitting around them. It's about playing buy- buying individuals that can add depth to the squad, can provide competition for places mm-hmm. and can move Manchester United onto more than just being a first 11, which they are at the moment. They are a first 11. Look at this. Look at the substitutes bench yesterday. There's nobody on that substitutes bench that you go, that
2: is the person who's going I'm going to bring on and change the game.
4: And yeah. that's what Manchester United need for me.
2: Yeah, they do. They need some more superstars, or so hopefully in the summer, the the, uh, the money is going to be spent. And he even hinting at that in his post-match press conferences, he talked about money being spent. I often feel like Solskjaer comes out and says that kind of stuff in the media quite publicly, just so the backroom staff uh, and the, the people above him know that he means business and knows that's what he wants. So when the backroom staff and the, uh, you know, Woodward doesn't deliver, you can go, well, listen, I've tried my best because I'm worried that, you know, they might look at it this season and might think the squad's good enough without any, you know, without spending some cash. But hopefully that uh, the money is spent this year and we can go forward next year and have that bit more about us.
1: Jim, obviously the big name that's been banded around and will continue to be banded around is is Jadon Sancho, despite Borussia Dortmund saying that he's not for sale and the the deadline's passed. And Paul Scholes, who was was on pundit duty for the game last night, brought him up during the game, which I thought was very strange. And I thought this was a little bit lazy from Scholes, as much as he's a legend with Manchester United. And he, he basically said that if Sancho had been on the pitch, the chances that Martial and Rashford missed, he would have scored. And... For me, when we look at the performance last night, I think you're absolutely right. Sevilla, this is a squad of players that get what is needed from them and the direction they're moving in. Sancho coming in, fantastic as he is, one player doesn't solve what seems to be a few wider issues at Manchester United, would you say?
4: Yeah, I mean, Sancho is the type of player that will improve whatever team he goes into. So, which is why he's got a price tag of 120 million quid. So there's no question that Manchester United might have been a better team with him in it. But as Joe says, that's not the, that's not the beginning and the end of the problems. Sancho's a very similar player to the front players that Manchester United already have, mm-hmm. which you could look as a good thing or a bad thing. There's two schools of argument. One is you need players that play in a different style. So you do have options and you can change the way you approach games. And the other school of thought is you need two players in every position that kind of replicate the way they play so you don't have to chop and change no doubt he would be a great addition but he isn't going to change that football club overnight there are question marks in other areas of the pitch I get what Joe was saying about the fullbacks um, and I think Wan-Bissaka is a great defensive fullback and we saw at Crystal Palace exactly how strong he could be in his breakthrough season when he had less people dribble past him than any other player in the league but he doesn't maybe offer quite enough going forward so maybe Manchester United need options there they certainly need options at centre back is it time for De Gea to move on and we've seen um, Ramsdale being signed by Sheffield United so we know Henderson's not going to have another season on loan there so where's his future he's going to want first team football so if Mm -hmm. United want to hang on to him so is now the time to bring him into the goalkeeping position, in which case there's probably a change in football there because he's not quite as strong in distribution as De Gea. So, I mean, there's a whole load of questions over how Manchester United approach this transfer window and what they do moving forward. So he would be a great addition, yeah, and for what it's worth, I think that transfer will happen. But it won't solve all the problems. There are other issues as well within that first eleven that need to be addressed at the same time. Key to that, I'd say was defensively for United. I think another center back to play alongside Maguire is absolutely vital in this window.
1: Joe, particularly when you measure it up against City, you know, we chatted in the first part with Steve and he, he's disappointed to crash out of the Champions League. That feels like a more damaging situation for City because there's question marks swirling around of Pep, despite how brilliant he is, he, he's done it again. The sensation after the United game, for, for me as a neutral watching it was, just a little bit of a bad day at the office. There was a couple of mistakes at the back that led to goals, but ultimately the positives far outweigh the negatives. And I think that seems to be the the sentiment from from Solskjaer, from Maguire they're frustrated and you know they're, they're acknowledging that a club like United can't be just accepting a last four spot, would you agree with that, Like, do you think this is the right way to go about it, don't build this up into anything that it's not, you're playing against the most successful team in the history of the competition who are absolute experts at getting to Europa League finals and, and Man United are not do you think it's, it's right to just kind of keep it on an even keel here or do you think there is a little bit more to be concerned about
2: I wouldn't mind him being a bit more concerned and I wouldn't mind uh, him, um, you know, if Sochard is saying that I wouldn't mind him maybe saying something else to make the players realise that they should have gone to the final because they're good enough to go to the final I'm not too concerned uh, in overall knowing that Seville have got this sort of unbelievable history with this competition I I, I would be worried um, looking forward if this mentality of the United shouldn't be getting to finals because we have just been knocked out of three semi-finals the FA Cup and the League Cup, and obviously, you've got the, uh, the Europa League now, and that's just not good enough. You don't want to become this city, sort of you have this jinx against you where you just can't get past a certain stage in a cup competition, and hopefully, Social won't do that. And hopefully, there is that that would only be the one that concerns me. Football's a weird thing, even if you're the best team on the day and it's a cup competition, and you sometimes that nightmares just don't fall your way. Um, so, let's hope that the young players learn a lot from this take a bit of disappointment because that's never a bad thing. They take a bit of a a, a kick in as well and then you go look back and go, Right, this isn't gonna be us again next year. We get to finals and we're gonna get trophies and we're gonna hopefully win more and more. So that's my that's my take on it.
1: Yeah, I think I would agree. Um, And we're going to take a quick break there. After the break, we're going to be talking about Barcelona. And if you're a Manchester United or Man City fan that's been listening to the podcast and feeling a bit down in the dumps, it could be worse. You could be a Barcelona fan. They got battered 8-2 by Bayern Munich and they're probably going to sack their manager and potentially lose the greatest player who's ever played for them. All of that coming up after the break.
0: Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty. Here at KingCasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League podcast. Just a quick reminder, whilst there's no Premier League football on, we are doing three podcasts a week, so don't worry. Just because the football's away doesn't mean that we've gone away. There's still plenty to talk about, transfer gossip, all the latest news right the way across the Premier League. And you can also keep up to date on your own team. If you ask your Alexa device to enable sports social, you can catch up on what your team are up to. And we're also available on the Google Home Smart Speaker. Exactly the same setup. You just say, OK, Google, Talk to Sports Social. Right, we've talked Manchester United, we've talked Manchester City. We're going to hop over to the concert now and talk about Barcelona. Crisis. There's no other word to describe (laughs) this. Absolute crisis. Now, the Spanish press are known for being quite exaggerated in the way that they frame these things. But I think we can genuinely chalk this one up as an absolute crisis. 8-2 defeat against Bayern Munich. Lionel Messi potentially wanting to leave the club, Gerard Pique volunteering to leave the club, and Kike Setien almost certainly sacked probably by the end of today, maybe even by the time you're listening to this podcast. Jim, I'm going to go to you first on this. Crisis is definitely not too strong a word to use about this, is it?
4: No, it does seem like the wheels have been wobbling at Barcelona for a little while now. They've not been quite the force they used to be, and it seems like those wheels are well and truly falling off now but I'm not necessarily sure it's a bad thing for the football club because it feels like Barcelona do need that element of reinvention they kind of almost need to rip it up and start again the likes of PK have been there forever Messi has been there forever so maybe there is a little bit of fresh blood that needs to come in which is why if I was a Barcelona fan and it seems like a crazy thing to say for someone who is undoubtedly best player in the world but if i was a barcelona fan i don't think i'd be too worried about lionel messi leaving the club because and i'll have to justify this a little bit there has been constant rumors about him leaving the club for the last three seasons or so every single time it's not looking like it's going quite to plan Messi throws his toys out the pram they sack the manager they bring in someone he wants he gets a little pay rise and that's kind of rinse and repeat they go again so maybe for there to be genuine change at Barcelona they actually do need to get rid of Lionel Messi Mm -hmm. use the money they get for him in a transfer fee which would be substantial to kind of rebuild that first team because if you're a manager going in to take charge of Barcelona you don't just have the job of managing Barcelona, you have the job of managing Lionel Messi, who has probably more power than any other individual at that club. So there does need to be change and they do need to rebuild. And I think that rebuilding could start with Lionel Messi going to a different football club. And I don't think that would necessarily be a bad thing. Well, that's a fairly strong shout I, I would
1: agree with you Jim I think when we're in a position like this over the last couple of years when they lost to Roma then I mean, when they lost to Liverpool it does seem to be this case of a lot of transfer talk that Messi might leave for me personally there's certain players that I, I just don't think I could ever visualise them in a different shirt I couldn't visualise mm. him in a, in a PSG shirt or a Manchester City shirt but from the fallout from the Bayern Munich game, Joe, this does seem to be a little bit different. Maybe maybe we're all kind of feeding into the media hype on this, but it, it does seem to be a little bit different. He's got just under a year to go on his current contract. He's not signed a new one. There doesn't seem to be much progress on it. And Barcelona have essentially said, due to the fact that you are who you are, we're going to put the power in your hands. You will decide your own future, which is an incredible thing for a football club to do to a player. He's probably the only player in world football that has that luxury. Do you get the sense that this is different or do you think this is just a little bit of a power game?
2: No, I I believe this might be different. Um, It's one of those things, isn't it? Messi moving? has been the possible talk of football it would be the biggest story about because obviously with with, with someone like cristiano ronaldo he has had uh, many clubs who you know he's for his united madrid Juventus, so he's he's known as being a player who moves about and it's big news when ronaldo moves and you've got messi He's this one club man. He's been with Barcelona and, you know, the stories floating about that he might join such a place or he might join City, he might just get back up with Pep Guardiola. These stories are fabricated to sell papers and to get you click-throughs because he's such a big name. The likes of him moving will be one of the biggest stories in football. So, you know, putting the power in his hands, yeah, you say it's unprecedented, but, you know, at the end of the day, you, you look at Messi and he has been... reason why I believe Barcelona have been such a dominating force, if it's Europe, if it's La Liga, they've been incredible uh, over the last 10, 15 years and that man will be a a legend and that man will be looked looked upon as the greatest because you look at his numbers, they just don't lie. So maybe Barcelona have seen that they've got everything they want out of this player, what an asset he's been, you know, they've not had to splash the cash too much on on other players because of uh, him being, uh, although they do have a big record spent on players like Coutinho, etc so um, Messi moving would be incredible uh, for the game of football I think it'd be the biggest headline in years and years and years because you've got to then question you know if Messi uh, this this smoke is it turns into fire where does he go you know who could afford him does he go over to France you'd say PSG could afford him but with this financial fair play well there's that all up in there at the minute. City, does he rejoin Pep, does he does he go over to Italy, I mean what, what are the chances he might go over and join Juventus, can you imagine if Ronaldo and Messi are on the same team, how mad would that be um, so you've got to then see if this story is going to be true who could possibly afford him because I guess his wages will be that's Do you think he'd game. go over to? Yeah, I think that's. But I think that would be the most likely destination. And if- is he not too? He's still quite. This this band could be playing for years. He's only yeah. thirty three. He could play. He could go over to. he thirty three. Yeah, thirty three. Is he, yeah, he thirty three.
4: Yeah, I mean, this is it. I mean, if 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 Barcelona want to cash in on him, it's either they sell him now or he finishes his career at Barcelona, <coughs> right? Yeah. I don't think Manchester City want him. I think I don't. I don't think that makes sense for them as a football club at the moment, to bring in a 33-year-old striker. Yeah, he's the best in the world, but he's on the wrong stage of his career. I think they want to bring in... For me, they need to bring in the next generation. They need to bring in kind of the younger players that's going to spearhead their attack for the next five... Oh, I you know he's messy. Doll. Yeah, he's I mean, messy, I, I know though, he's, he's messy, he? messy. But I think it makes a lot of sense for a club like Inter Miami to...
2: Can I, I say wait. you why? Because I think he compares himself, and I know they don't, I know they're two completely different players, but I think he compares himself too much to Ronaldo, mm. and Ronaldo has gone to another team and played at the highest level again. He's still playing at the highest level, he's still winning trophies. Going over to USA, uh, well, I don't know why I said USA, going over to America, I think it downgrades him a tiny bit. It means you're going yeah. over there for the money. It means but he doesn't, he
4: doesn't have anything to prove. He's proved it He does, He does, in a
2: way, he does. And he couldn't go and play for Juventus because he's a completely different...
4: M- Messi and Ronaldo are different types of players and I personally think Messi is the better player out of the two but I think Messi's the type of player who needs to play in a team who play football that suits him I think Cristiano Ronaldo you could stick him in my yeah. five-a-side team and he'd still well, but, but but you, hold on hold on, hold on, hold on. Can
1: we just, let's just clarify this are, are you hinting that you wouldn't have Lionel Messi in your five-a-side team that's, right, that's no, exactly no, uh, what
4: Jim just said it's not good enough but you know what I mean like Cristiano Ronaldo could go into any team in the world and he would still look like a world-class talent he doesn't necessarily need to play a certain style of football or have certain players around him I think Lionel Messi is slightly different in that. If you put Lionel Messi in Burnley's team, I'm not sure
2: he'd excel in the same way
4: oh, right. as No, I don't,
2: I don't know. I think you're digging a hole there, Jim. Jim. <laughs> you put your shovel away. That man would get into, surely get into yeah. Yeah, any team. I mean, yeah, he, he would, but
4: he would, he get... he as he wouldn't be able to play the same, He wouldn't be able to offer yeah. the
2: same. Do you know what I mean? I, think, I get what you mean, because you think... look at his Argentina career as well. He's hardly, I mean, he's got to a World Cup final, but there was just something there that it, there's nothing like, like obviously Ronaldo's gone on and won something with Portugal. the I, I don't, I don't, I just don't know. I just really don't know. I really don't know. In terms of his
1: situation at the club and, and Jim, I think I think Joe and I will make a pact. We'll, we'll keep this between the three of us and, you know, everyone that's listening to this podcast. Don't don't <laughs> grass on Jim that he said Messi wouldn't get into the Burnley team. You know, Sean <laughs> Dyche Sean, Sean wouldn't be, you know, Jim's the boss. <laughs> we'll keep this secret for you. Um, obviously, you mentioned into Miami that he could potentially go to. Let's just say, for example, if if we're going along the line of that he could potentially leave, I would agree with Joe 100%. This idea of going to China or going to the MLS would be a downgrade. And and he doesn't seem to have that mentality of player. And he definitely doesn't need the money. If he was to stay in Europe, obviously there was talk of Manchester City earlier on in this year. Guardiola said, no, never going to happen. Inter Milan are also meant to be uh, thinking about him as well. Do you see a European side going for him or do you think he just he just has to make a clean break if he was to leave?
4: I mean, that's part of it, isn't it? He's got so much loyalty to a team like Barcelona and they were the team who invested in him when no one else would. They provided him with the growth hormones that he needed to become the footballer. Mm-hmm. He's becoming all that kind of thing. So whether he'd want to go to another club that was a rival I think is a massive question as well and that's not just a rival in Spain that's not just a Real Madrid that is a Juventus or it is a Manchester City because it's a European rival as well so I think it does provide him that out and like I say he's got absolutely nothing to prove he's been the world's best player for a decade he's won the Ballon d'Or countless times i don't know
2: he scored uh, for burnley in that one nil yeah. i mean I mean, that's
4: it i mean why would juventus go for messi when they could go and get chris wood i mean it's it's a it's a challenge isn't it but no i think if he leaves barcelona i think it it, it makes a lot of sense that he would go i don't think he'd go to china but i think a new project like into miami With a global superstar there already,
2: like David Beckham, it'd be an
4: interesting, an interesting move for him.
2: I think he's got. If he's moving, I think he's got one. I think he's got one more team before he goes to America if he does want to move. Unless he stays at Barcelona for another couple more years, but I think he's got one. I Mm. I think he wants it. I think I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: Right. So I think we're all established that Burnley are not going to bid for him, but somebody with a bit more (laughs) cash and a bit more glamour could go for him. I can. I'm sticking with the fact that I don't think he's going to leave, but I would agree with Jim that I can see him strutting around in Miami more than I can see him strutting around in Lancashire. I'll I'll go that far. That's as far as I'm willing
4: to go on this. But uh, if you were Manchester City, say so if you were Manchester City at the moment, and that is one of the potential destinations, there's
2: only I think a few... you know you know the answer to this already. I <laughs> think you know the answer. Whatever you're going to ask, there's us a already. few there's a
4: few clubs that you can go to, and it's very few clubs because they not only have to pay the transfer fee, and I've got no idea what the transfer fee would be for Lionel Messi, but they've also got to pay his wages. He's on like four hundred. 50 grand a week or something isn't he so there's so few clubs that could afford him if you were a city or if you're a psg or if you were real madrid or if you were juventus who could actually afford lionel messi wouldn't you go after an mbappe or someone like that someone who is probably going to cost you a similar amount but you're going to get a decade of football from and have a resale value
1: but there's a significant amount of pressure of Inevitably, whoever comes into Barcelona, whether Messi leaves or he stays and he retires in two years' time, Mbappe is arguably the only one that can do it. But whoever comes mm. in is going to have that weighing down on their shoulders of the new Messi, the Messi replacement. And that's the type of thing that could ruin someone's career. Mm. And I think it's it's very, very difficult to balance against that. Right. Uh, we've talked about Messi we're going to talk about the manager. We're all pretty much certain that Setien is going to be fired uh, either today or in the next couple of days. The two big names linked with taking over him. Thierry Henry was linked over the weekend and I think that that got quashed immediately. So the two serious names are both ex-Premier League bosses. Ronald Koeman, which Everton fans will be thinking, huh? (laughs) And uh, Maurizio Pochettino, which makes more sense. But if you... Believe what what you read over night and, and today, Kuhman seems to be the favourite. Now, the interesting thing with Kuhman's situation with the Netherlands team is he does have a clause in his contract to leave, but only for Barcelona. So you would say that his entire contract, which is very bizarre with the Netherlands, is built around the fact of yeah, but Barcelona, yeah? Pochettino himself has dug himself a bit of a hole where he said he'd never managed them. He made a comment like, I'd, I'd rather go and work on a farm. And he's very, very quickly backtracked on that in the last few weeks when someone said, yeah. listen, Setia might be getting the shove. So maybe do another interview where you're like, no, mistranslation, misquoting. When you've got these two names ahead of you, Joe, and obviously Pochettino was linked with United and potentially in the future could be linked with United again. Mm-hmm. Where would you be going if you were Barcelona?
2: Um, uh, the thing is with Barcelona, and when you look at who they've had since Pep Guardiola, they've still done incredibly well, but the, they don't really tend to go for the big names in, in, in football managing. They don't tend to reach out to the, the ones that have got history. They tend to like a manager who's not got too much pressure on him, and the name doesn't bring in too much, you know, oh, he's definitely going to win leagues, and that way the, the team is just let out to do their thing and, and it works for them. It's a model that works. You know, you look at what Pep Guardiola did, he literally came through the ranks. Uh, he, he Barcelona B manager and then they gave him a shot. You know, say, ntn you know, what you think of him, he, his, his name wasn't exactly one of, you know, the, that brings a lot a ton of pressure to him and that's why they could easily just get rid of him. I don't think it will shake up the world too much. I think that what they want to do is go for a manager who, because I mean let's just say this if Messi does go this manager's first job is to fill a hole that's not been filled in 10-15 years mm. since Messi was in the club so that's unbelievable task number one number two is to try and you know hopefully the morale in the dressing room doesn't change because if Messi's as big a player as people say he is then he's got to come into a squad of players who would, are all upset because Messi's gone and he's got to try and convince them that everything's going to be all right because Coutinho's on his way back. I'm not joking. Because, uh, you know, he's got to try and look at the, what's going to happen in this league Liga season and, and build someone up. So you maybe want someone who who has had this kind of like a a bit more of a task to them. Maybe is a real like uh, one-on-one, a player uh, sort of manager who can really sort of boost morale in that squad because it's going to be tough. But you've got to look at what's in at hand. Whoever wants this Barcelona job, yes, it's a great job to have. But next season, it's going to be a tough job. Proper tough.
1: Well, it's, it's almost a, a poison chalice in a sense, Jim, of where they are. You look at the team sheet and the players and, and they do just roll off the tongue. Messi, mm. PK, Busquets, Albert. But obviously all the focus is on Messi and we talked about whether he's going to leave, whether he's going to stay. Whoever comes in, is going to be the manager that retires Lionel Messi. Whether he leaves this summer, whether he leaves next summer when his contract expires, if he signs another two-year deal and then retires, you'd expect whoever's in charge to either still be in there or or there or thereabouts. So whoever comes in as already knowing that that's going to be their big job. But... It's easy to forget everything else. This is Guardiola's entire team that is going to be retiring in the next few years. Yep. So whoever comes in, it's not just Messi. And yes, it is Lionel you know, Messi, but it's, it is it Pique, it's Busquets, it's Jordi Alba, it's Luis Suarez. These are players, I know obviously he didn't play under, under Guardiola, but th- these are players that are absolutely enormous to the history of Barcelona football club. And it's it's an, almost a similar situation to United with, with uh, Ferguson towards the end, where there was these huge players that had been at the club for over a decade. And he had to say, thanks for everything, but there's the door. And that's a huge amount of pressure to be placing on either it's Pochettino or Kuhnman, who, let's be honest, as, as good as Pochettino was at Tottenham, are unproven at the highest, highest level.
4: Yeah, and I think I think Pochettino, it might be a little bit of a stretch for him. As you say, he has made those comments. He's got his Espanyol history. I think you need a manager who is a bit more of a Teflon coating than Pochettino because if it goes wrong from the start, the fans at Barcelona are going to be on him straight away. Ronald Koeman doesn't feel like a particularly good fit either, I don't think, although he has a little bit more fam- familiarity with the club. I don't know why we're not talking about Xavi at the moment. And I think he's the... I mean, if Lionel Messi stays at the club, we know that Xavi is his pick for manager. But there's a player that knows the club inside out. There's a player that kind of fits that mould of, as Joe called, of what Pep Guardiola did. It was a kind of manager at the start of his career rather than someone who was necessarily established before that. So I think that could be a really interesting shout as well. And just remember that a Barcelona manager is a slightly different role to a manager at most other football clubs Mm -hmm. because he has got it's a team that pretty much manages itself that the players have so much power within and it's a board that deal with all your structure and your transfers so it's more a coaching role than a managerial role and it could suit someone like Xavi who has got an affinity with the fans and does know that football club but within
1: that, obviously, he's got his, his contract situation at, at Al Joe, in, in Qatar, and he's, he seems to be giving the sense of, yes, but not right now. Do you think this could protect... I would agree with Jim that I think longer term or medium term, it is going to be Xavi. But do you think whoever comes in, whether it's Kuman or Pochettino or kind of someone that comes from a bit more of a left field choice, they're probably just a placeholder for Xavi when, when he inevitably comes back?
2: Yeah, so maybe it's someone who would enjoy that opportunity of being that placeholder and getting things in shape and taking a bit of money because they know maybe it's not going to be a long-term thing. So, you know, get a bit of money because I'm sure Barcelona play quite well. Sort this team out. Be known as the guy to to really turn things around. If you want to make yourself a... You know, this might be someone's final job because um, Barcelona, you'd say, are hit a rock bottom at the minute. So let's be the man who goes in there, shakes things up, builds them back up to being the best that they can be, and uh, and changes the game uh, for for them. So I think someone want anyone will want to do it. It's just going to be a tough, tough task.
1: So uh, I feel a little bit like. Out, a duck out of water or fish out of water duck out of water fish out of water with no games on <laughs> yeah, uh, Ducks famously quite good with being out of water <laughs> yeah, yeah. well yeah well, maybe I'm a bit more like a duck I don't feel too bad very versatile the duck <laughs> uh, because I can't ask for any predictions because there's no games so I'm going to ask for predictions on this Jim Lionel Messi is he wearing a Barcelona shirt next season yes or no
4: yes and Xavi is managing him oh okay Ooh. Joe
1: has he got the uh claret and blue stripes of Barcelona or has he got the claret of Burnley?
2: Just to be different, <laughs> I'm going to say he's going to leave.
1: And go oh to... God. Crystal Palace. I'm not going to say <laughs> he's going to.
2: You never say I think he's going to leave. Really? Just going to leave, yeah. I'm going to say it. I think he's, gonna... he's going. He's going. And who takes over, providing that... You know, we're, we're kind of
1: pushing Setien out of the door here, but assuming that he does go, who do you see taking over from him?
2: Um, I'd, I'd 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 say Javi. I'd say Javi, but you know I I could be wrong. Ronald Cuma might be the guy who, who steps up.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go for staying, <laughs> uh, despite the big money offers of of Lancashire and Florida. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go for Kuman. I think it's going to be a mistake uh, because I honestly think that comment that I made about Everton fans I think Barcelona fans and Everton fans for the first time in their history will probably be having a bit of an affinity uh, in the next couple of months when they're being turned upside down by a certain Dutchman so I'm going to go for Kuman and Messi to stay and Kuman to be the man probably to retire Lionel Messi yeah that's wow. that's, that's my prediction
2: yeah, wow. and that's
1: my prediction, and uh, and I'm sticking with it. Okay, uh, guys, that's all we've got time for on the Football Thanks. Social Daily today. It's been a brilliant show. Lots to chat about, Champions League, Europa League. I know we're all missing the Premier League, but when you've got goals flying in and you've got managers being sacked and you've got all sorts of things going on, it kind of doesn't make me miss it as much. And it certainly means that I can wait until September the 12th. So that's the date for your diary, September the 12th. We'll be moving back up to a podcast every day once the Premier League season gets back underway. If you're listening to today's podcast and you like what you hear, click subscribe. If you've... Uh, been listening over the whole of the season. Keep listening. Leave us a review. We would love to hear what you've got to say. Tell your friends. Tell your family. If you've made friends, join the lockdown with your neighbour over the fence. Tell them. Get them to listen to the podcast. It's and... Longer than
4: the actual podcast is
1: out in
2: trophy. Yeah, I've just got breaking it <laughs> messy. I've just moved uh, to Burnley. That's how long <laughs> the outro is. It?
1: Indeed, indeed. I can't wait to see him, guys. Uh, Jim, Joe, thanks very much for joining me. Cheers, cheers, mate. Brilliant. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again very soon.
0: Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
2: With Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So, I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky.
2: Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky?